Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McClain. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Well, it's that time. It's time for State of the Nation with me, Steve Hook, broadcasting live from the Central Jersey Shore, and my man Brian Hesher McLean back in studio from Central Texas. Hello, Hesher. It's good to see you. Happy Monday. It's a brand new week. Lots to talk about. How are you, brother? Yeah, yeah, it is. A lot went on over the weekend, man. I was able to look at a little bit of news as we cruised through the weekend, and wow, some scandalous stuff going on. We got plenty <laughs> to discuss today here on today's news talk. Yeah, we do. Uh, we certainly do. Lots of scandalous stuff, uh, laughably scandalous stuff. Uh, and also, uh, we can talk about what's going on. You know, we've talked about Hesh in the past, and we've speculated whether or not uh, they were going to try and parachute in somebody in for Biden at the last minute. Well, it seems as if the panic is really starting to set in. Last week, we had made mention of the fact that David Axelrod was making the round saying, well, you know, things look dark, very, very dark. Those are his words, not mine, concerning Biden's poll numbers. And now we know um, that according to uh, according to some insiders, President Biden uh, publicly kind of melted down on his staffers. You'll remember when uh, Biden did that annual uh Turkey pardon when they do that right before Thanksgiving, they pardon the two turkeys. Um, apparently, well, I'm just going to read it to you because uh, it says here, I'm reading from foxnews.com, although I think this story originated uh, maybe from the Washington Post or something. But at any rate, it's a media report. President Biden is complaining to close aides as his low approval rating continues to dip and frustrate him and First Lady Jill Biden. The doctor's even getting angry, uh, Ash. After after pardoning a pair of turkeys at the annual White House, uh, an, an annual White House tradition, Biden delivered some stern wor- uh, words for his for the small group assembled. His poll numbers were unacceptably low, and he wanted to know what his team and his campaign were doing about it. He complained, quote, he complained that his economic message had done little to move the ball, even as the economy was growing and unemployment was falling, according to people familiar with his comments who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Of course they would. Uh, And they discussed a a private conversation. uh, It was a private conversation, so they didn't want to put their name on it. But this was back in November, Biden screaming about his poll numbers and basically saying to his aides, what are you guys going to do about it? Uh, well, you know, here's a start. Change every policy. I'm just thinking. Now, we had discussed this. And what was the who's the number one guy that we said is probably going to be dropped into that position? Uh, Gavin. Good old Gavin, or as you call him, gruesome nuisance. Uh, well, Newsom might be the guy, and that might explain why he's been doing the uh kind of the uh, you know shadow campaign, if you will. But get this, if Newsom is your last minute parachuted in, uh, here I come to save the day, uh, you know, campaigner in chief, that might not be such a good call because Go- uh, California Gruesome's uh, numbers aren't really much better. Eyeing a record $68 billion deficit, 
California has now instituted a state spending freeze until the summer of 2024. So they've got to go all through the rest of this year and for the first six months of next year without spending any money. How do you think that's going to work for them? 68 million, uh, strike that. Did I say million? Billion. Yeah, billion. $68 billion deficit yep. in the upcoming fiscal year. It's the worst ever in California history. That means every state agency is going to have to curtail all non-critical expense for the next six months until the fiscal year, which ends uh, summer of uh, June 30th of 2024. Now, I don't know. I, do you think, can you live there? You used to, you escaped. <laughs> Uh, can, can Newsom pull like an EO on this and say, well, we're going to spend the money anyway? I I, I don't know. I, it, it, it's just a $68 billion spending deficit. Well, That's, the people uh, of Calif- yeah, the people of California shouldn't let him do that, but he'll do whatever he wants. That's what we've seen over, you know, in his tenure. He'll do whatever he wants. He's like Cartman from South Park. He just does what he wants. He tells the people there, stay home, mask up, don't go to any restaurants. If you do wear a mask, uh, what does he do? He takes all his buddies to the French laundry and orders $1,000 bottles of wine, no mask, no nothing, none of that, just behaving like we all know, like that whole thing was a complete farce, which it was. And the $68 billion deficit despicable there was a surplus they had a surplus before he got there i believe it was around six billion dollars mike netter could check me on that but how do you go from a six billion dollar surplus to a 68 billion dollar deficit and on top of that and we'll discuss this in the second hour in detail the homelessness is way 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 up uh the crime is way way up uh, it, it we had four LAPD uh, uh, officers commit suicide in the last uh, as many weeks or so. I don't know the exact number, but I mean, it's it's looking very bad in California. So go ahead and run, Gavin. I mean, you're just giving open goals to whoever your uh, opponent is. Him. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and and now it looks like they're also, you know, not, people are starting to float around once again. Michelle Obama, I got news for you. That's not going to fly. Michelle Obama is not going to run. Do you do you think that she has any interest in it? I don't think she gives a rip. Michelle Obama is a, is a is a mirror image of her husband. She'd rather rule from behind the curtain and not have to be seen in the Oval Office and not have to deal with the with the D.C. crapola. And I don't think that I don't think she's viable. So, man, I mean, I don't know how often we've talked about how how shallow their bench is on the Democrat side. But if there was ever an example of how shallow it is, we're looking at it right now because Biden is circling the drain, taking the nation with him. And uh, and Gavin Newsom is, uh, well, the California is circling the drain, too, as it were. Very, very odd. Hey, by the way, if you missed your favorite TNT radio show or interview or whatever it was you wanted to listen to or watch, all you've got to do is listen back whenever you want, wherever you want. Just visit the Episodes tab on the TNT radio website. We're on all your major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart, TuneIn even. Now there's no reason at all to miss out any, uh, on anything on TNT Radio. Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Okay, let's bring our buddy, uh, our, our, bring our buddy Ruckus on. This is a... Uh, story that uh, is probably long overdue because of the problems it caused. Do you remember last year when Southwest uh, Southwest Airlines 
uh, really screwed up and everybody was waiting forever to get on a plane. Well, Southwest Airlines has agreed to pay $140 million in civil penalties for last year's Christmas travel fiasco. It resulted in 17,000 flight cancellations and more than 2 million stranded passengers. Here with the story, joining us now, TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Yeah, that was uh, quite a headache for Southwest and a whole bunch of travelers last uh, last year. Ruckus, what's the story now? That's right. Um, so <laughs> the way it was described by the uh, Department of Transportation, the DOT, in a press release on Monday, uh, the airline's massive operational failure last year, they called it a quote-unquote holiday meltdown. That's a strong word. Uh, now, the penalty imposed by the department apparently is, uh, a quoting right from the press release, quote, 30 times larger than any in DOT history, end quote. Yeah. Um, the press release stated, quote, DOT, DOT insured Southwest paid over $600 million back to passengers and issued record penalty to deter other airlines from failing to protect customers during disruptions, end quote. So they want to make an example out of them. A portion of the fines, uh, $90 million, will actually compensate future Southwest passengers with travel vouchers for $75 or more if operational failures impact them. Um, as part of this money, there's $35 million worth of a, uh, an actual fine, a penalty paid directly to the U.S. Treasury. Uh, wow. Uh, quoting again, uh, the department stated, quote, Southwest will receive a $72 million offset toward the penalty for the $90 million compensation system DOT has ordered. Also, DOT will credit Southwest $33 million against the penalty for issuing 25,000 rapid reward points to passengers impacted by Southwest's operational failures, end quote. Uh, DOT's secretary, Secretary Pete Buttigieg, touted the department's actions against Southwest. Buttigieg said, quote, today's action sets a new precedent and sends a clear message. If airlines fail their passengers, we will use the full extent of our authority to hold them accountable. Taking care of passengers is just is not just the right thing to do. It's required. And this penalty should put all airlines on notice to take every step possible to ensure that a meltdown like this never happens again. End quote. The department conducted a, quote, rigorous and comprehensive investigation, uh, end quote, into the airline's operations, which included, quote, examining tens of thousands of pages worth of documents, conducting several multi-day in-person audits and site visits at Southwest's headquarters, reviewing thousands of consumer complaints and consulting with various third parties, such as airports, end quote. So it's a rather large Fiasco, quite the meltdown, a rather large investigation, and uh, the biggest fine handed down by the DOT ever. So uh, was it deserving of them, or is it more like, you know, to send a message, as I said? What do you guys think? Pandering. More pandering. This is more pandering. Um, <laughs> every step possible so this doesn't happen again. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Um, I've been caught up in a few of those things, and they tell you things like, sorry, we just don't have enough staff for it today. 
or uh sorry the web this is just what happens when you know weather events happen you know um what what does this mean uh are they going to get another government bailout can they pay these customers back from the last handful of government bailouts or maybe some of those covid money bags you got over there at the faa i don't know i hear you're running low on your covid money so your covidian cult money running low and now you're getting in trouble <laughs> for uh providing poor service uh, and, and great job by the FAA. I mean, geez, uh, you know, big shout out to TNT, CC Woods, uh, and myself and others that co covered the Phil Washington story. Uh, they tried to put uh, the Biden administration tried to put this guy, Phil Washington, in charge of the FAA. No flight time, no flight experience, no experience running any anything like it, the entire FAA. Uh, could have been worse, could have been worse. Uh, reporting like ours made it such that that guy didn't get hit, didn't get that position. So uh, at least planes aren't, uh, knock on wood, planes aren't falling out of the sky, Steve. <laughs> well, you know, I got to tell you, I've never flown Southwest, probably because of where I live. Uh, I'm more of a, a, a you know, an, an American Airlines or a Delta guy here on the East Coast. I do remember, though, that one of the best things about Southwest, what I, what I always remember was, seeing that people would film them and say, aren't these people funny? Aren't these flight attendants so funny? Listen to this pre-flight checklist they do. It's so hysterical and sing-songing and doing rhymes and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, that's all I knew about Southwest. But now here we go. They, they, they really ran into problems last year. And now this year, what are they doing? They're saying, well, if you weigh 550 pounds or more, we're going to give you an, the entire row is going to be for you now, uh, free of charge, free of charge. You talk about pandering and that's not even pandering to a huge number of people. Well, it's a, a pandering to huge people, but not a huge number of people. So, uh, you know, I wonder if that's going to affect their, sorry, we had to boot you off. We've got a, 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 a 800 pound uh, guy here we've got a seat and he's sitting in your aisle seat and your middle seat and his window seat as it were so i don't know just southwest uh has had a very bad year i would say and um now they're now they're giving away seats to people that are morbidly obese uh i've See? sat i've sat next to that guy and that gal steve and it can be uh, uncomfortable for everybody involved, you know, um, and just as a tangent, you know, it's sort of tangent because you mentioned that, but, you know, there's this whole, they do that because of the policies and identity politics behind fat shaming, right? And, and yeah. body positive, this and that, right? There's all kind of hashtags attached to it. Um, we've lost, uh, I think, four uh, uh, body positivity influencers, if you will, in the last few months, uh, four of them in their forties, you know, uh, people like that. So sorry for the tangent there, but you know, it's interesting that they would change their policy at, at no charge to that person, to a person like that, uh, just because of identity politics, anything further but ruckus, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that the, there should be a discussion sometime, maybe not today, about uh, does the government have the right to inflict penalties upon a company for not, quote unquote, making it right to their customers? Um, that's all, because right? I think yeah, yeah. maybe, maybe not. I don't know. That's a fundamental question. Who right knows? There. Yeah. yeah, that's a good all point. Right.
Yeah. Thanks, Ruckus. This is State of the Nation on TNT Radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less? dependent on the system, it's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I, I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it ain't normal. <laughs> the way is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio TNT. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old, and it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. Internet. Internet. A stream online. TNT Radio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Now, as we do our best to stand by and enjoy the Christmas holiday, while knowing there's a massive decline and decay of the U.S. constitutional order, that's a, a little Christmas Easter egg for our next guest right there, we can't lose sight of the fact that we have a crisis on the border leading to a national crisis. The federal government has been weaponized against the foundational ideas of the country, and we have a crisis of leadership politically, militarily in many cases, and just about across all pillars of our society. So here to shine some light on this dark socio-political paradigm is U.S. Army veteran and author of Decline and Decay of the U.S. Constitutional Order, Jeffrey Sachs. Jeffrey, thank you for rejoining us on State of the Nation. It's always a pleasure. So let me ask you this. How do you meter the holidays at this point in America's timeline? It used to be 
right around now was a bit of a breather in the fight for liberty and people would enjoy the traditions that you know they and their ancestors fought for uh, how do we still do that here in 2023 when our very foundation is being chipped away at day by day hour by hour as the decline and decay march on yeah great to be with you uh, gentlemen here this afternoon and you're absolutely spot on we look around at all around us and that's why i say we're not only just in a constitutional decline we're in a social and moral one too just just look at what look what's going on. If you if you look at anything what's going on in the Senate last last week, with what's happening there, we have satanic cults that are up in uh, the state houses. Um, you name it, it's it's going on all around us. But this is a, a point in uh, in the time that we absolutely need to take a breath and do some good introspection, get ready for a, a 2024 cycle that will be like no other in this republic has ever had. And I firmly believe that there the stakes are uh, extremely high. And we need people out to get out on the off the sidelines and get into the game in the arena and step up for a republic. Because you're right, you're right, gentlemen. It's a it's a it's a decline. But you know what? I have faith in the people to get come together and and let's get it done. Yeah, here, here, uh, uh, Colonel Sachs. Thank you. It's uh, great to have you again. Yeah, we're going to talk about what happened in the uh, in the Senate meeting room a little later in the show. I just I just ate lunch, so if it's all the same. Uh, we'll we'll just <laughs> we'll back burner that one for right now, um, but enough. but you know I, I got to say that I was watching earlier today, and I, to be honest with you, I don't. I was doing show prep, and I don't remember what channel it was on. It could have been Fox, could have been Newsmax, could have been uh, OAN. I don't know. Uh, I know it wasn't CNN. But Brandon Judd was on, and he was talking about the southern border, and they asked him. Uh, they said, "Well, look." Uh, what's going on here at the southern border? Obviously, the poll numbers are reflective of the fact that by about 70-some-odd percent, the American people are not at all happy with the southern border. And Brandon Judge just said, said very matter-of-factly, he said, he's not working for those people. He's working for the base that wants that border wide open. I mean, I hate to be cynical, but I mean, good God. I mean, that can't be a whole lot of Americans. Is he really pandering that hard to this base that he would put the entire nation at jeopardy? This might be a hypothetical question, really. But nobody's going anywhere near the, I mean, nobody's touching the border as far as the feds are concerned. Meanwhile, you got Democrats in cities and in states, even Katie Hobbs in Arizona starting to raise hell about this. What's going on? Well, you're not a nation if you don't have borders. And that's how I feel. Uh, so when we mentioned the open, uh, the southern border and, and the and the northern border is, what border are we talking about? This has been an issue for some time. Um, and I've been down to the border. I've lived on a border town uh, my uh, a long adult life here. And I and you know I went down in the El Paso sector and down here in uh, Nogales in, in Arizona. Uh, it, I, talk about leadership. You got to go out. You got to go to the points where things are happening. Uh, number one, you got to see it for yourself. You got to get on the ground. You got to talk to these border patrol agents and see what see what they need. See the, see what the challenges that they face every single day. But here's what we need to do: we absolutely need to fund the, the border wall construction. That needs to get done immediately before we start talking about anything else. Let's secure the border with the wall, uh, and then the second we reinforce that with the the military capability and, in, and you know industrial capability that we have, whether that's UAV, all the surveillance, all the technology that we have. Um, that we want to send overseas sometimes, we can do it right here at home, uh, help the Border Patrol. Number three, what I think we need to do is we need to listen to our Border Patrol agents and say, what resources do you need on the ground? Um, let's get, let's, let's, let's fund you to that. 
talk about talent management. Let's let's hire and train, uh, you know, uh, the necessary border patrol agents. Let's get attorneys down there. Let's get judges down there where we're ending catch and release. We're, we're going back to a policy of catch and deport. And, and we do it right there. Instead of saying, hey, this is your court date five years from now, knowing that they're not going to show up. Let's handle it right there, then and, then and there. And then what so- I'd like to see happen we got we got to get after these the uh, the fentanyl that's in our streets so we got to do some good counter drug operations so i agree with everything you just said there jeff and the seems like the long pole in the tent is the administration and who's sitting in the seat at uh, secretary of department of homeland security because uh we we really is there a way to do any of those things with those guys in the seat or does this go right back to what you were leading in with this is about 2024 and removing the, uh, the the log jams that we have with regards to every single thing you just said. It all starts with the administration in Mayorkas, right? Well, what, what I would say is it's been three, three and a half years. What what has happened? What what gives us the confidence as, as voters that things are going to change in the next year? Uh, I don't think that they will. I so I think that's why the 2024, this is absolutely on the ballot. And if you care a lot about the border, every border Every state is is certainly a border state. We've seen that. We've seen governors push back. We've seen Abbott down in down in Texas, and and now we see you know pushing pushing migrants out. It's like, hey, we can't do this alone in Texas. But uh, certainly they've tried some things uh, at the state level to to uh, put a put a, a plug in uh, some of that stuff. But we see uh, you know in New York City, we we've seen Chicago. We've seen hey, we we can't do this, and that's when you start to see some of the the other the other side saying, hey, we can't. We, we need help. We need it. We need to we need we got to stop this and we got to take a look at the at the policy. But it certainly is about 2024 and you got to get off the sidelines. And, and I don't think anything is going to change right now um, with, with that. So. Yeah, you're, you're probably right about that. Certainly not with the, the, the current crop in uh, in the Oval and in the uh, in the administration writ large, even though some Democrat, like I said, some Democrats, mayors, governors are uh, they're starting to vent. Let's we got to take a quick headline here, Jeff. But when we get back, I want to talk to you about that, because the question is, is Katie Hobbs doing this because Katie Hobbs is concerned about the people of Arizona or is Katie Hobbs doing this because Katie Hobbs and Eric Adams in New York City, uh, they're more concerned about their own electoral prospects because nothing seems to be changing inside the administration. We're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Sachs. You're watching State of the Nation. We'll be right back after this headline on TNT Radio. I have some good news. Uh, uh, TNT Radio News. TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Former President Donald Trump's lawyer, Alina Haba, criticized the urgency shown by Special Counsel Jack Smith in seeking a Supreme Court ruling on Trump's presidential immunity regarding election-related charges. The UK's Royal Navy warship HMS Diamond successfully intercepted and destroyed a suspected attack drone over the Red Sea a vital maritime route linking Europe through the Suez Canal to the Indian Ocean. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Okay, we're back with State of the Nation and with Jeffrey Sachs, who joins us now. Lieutenant Colonel, um, I mentioned before, we're starting to see some Democrats um, really kind of chafe at this uh, uh, at this lack of uh, responsibility, really, on our southern border, frankly, on our northern border as well. But uh, we've seen, I live on uh, the East Coast. I live in, in New Jersey, so I'm basically right near the metro of New York City. Eric Adams is absolutely, he's got the worst 
numbers, polling numbers of any uh, mayor of New York City in modern American history. Katie Hobbs, of course, uh, is, is starting to come under withering assault from Arizonans. So she's starting to uh, kind of kvetch about this. I don't think anybody. I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be coming to the rescue, though, for these people. They're, they're just trying to save their political hides, don't you think? I, I think it is. I think they. I think the polling. Uh, you know, and I'm not a huge fan of, of a lot of polling, but it's pretty clear that a lot of people care about the economy, the border, and education. But board, back to border security. Border security is a huge issue. So they're starting to see that on the map, and it's going to be an issue in 2024. And so. Um, you know, that's that's why that's what I'm saying. We need to get leaders in here who actually know how to solve problems and actually care about serving, not just because they look at the poll numbers. That's classic political one on one. No, I mean, that's been around for, for a long, long time. But, you know, you don't you don't get in there and start saying, well, we'll, we'll, we'll start to do something now because it's an election season. And then we'll forget about it in three, three or four years or whenever my term is up and we'll start to do stuff. We got to get out of that. We got to get out of that mentality. But I, I did see that she, she signed an executive order to send the National Guard down there. But nobody's. Nobody's really talking. You know, we've got a fentanyl crisis uh, uh, that are just pouring through our streets. It's a national security issue. And we got 100 150 so on the terrorist watch list that are pouring through. Uh, you know, that's a huge issue. We just see what what Israel went through. Don't think it can't happen here. Uh, and there's no vetting process. Um, sex trafficking, human trafficking absolutely is an issue. And that's something that I want to tackle as well. Uh, even in here in Virginia, we live on a major you know, 95 corridor and don't think it's just happening down at the border. It's happening all across the United States. And we got to do something about that. And I want to give all the enforcement resources uh, and the maximum penalties that we possibly can for distribution of uh, fentanyl and any type of uh, you know drugs. We got to get got to get folks in there that are just getting. Uh, to solve the, the the problems, root cause. I'm a root cause person. Let's let's get it and 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 solve the issues, not just talk about them. Yeah. yeah. Now, L- Lieutenant Colonel, I'm curious. You know, um, our country went to war over an attack that uh, took the lives of approximately 3,000 Americans on September 11th of 2001, and we were told, you know, hey, this this is another country that has done terrible damage to us. This is the, one of the worst things that's happened to us. How does it feel to um, to now your feelings or maybe the feelings of, you know, others of your uh, military community friends? How does it feel now to to have our country openly telling us, well, we're going to lose 100,000 people a year to this poison that's coming across the open border by a criminal cartel of another country, which is really just a different word of saying terrorists. So, I mean, what is how does i don't understand like as an american citizen that really is hard for me to process like we go and you know do all this world policing stuff across borders yet here uh we've lost a hundred that we're looking at losing a hundred thousand people a year and more moving forward listen there's nobody pro pro more pro-american than i than i am 100 percent american first and, and we just see all the problems that are going on. We do see it globally, but we see it back here at home with, a you know, again, are we winning? Are we winning on the economy? Are we winning on the border? Are we winning on education? I don't think so. Talk to anybody. And back to your point, Ryan, like I've talked to a lot of veterans um, and we're, we're frustrated. Um, you know, you, you spend post 9-11, 20 years or so, you know, fighting in the Middle East and fighting for the defense and uh, of, of the country and the Constitution. And we're just seeing what are we doing it's, it seems like it's a lot of it is self-inflicted. 
Um, and we just, we have a lot of issues here at home that we need to address, or we're not going to have a future to give to our kids. And that's really, really what it's about is providing a future for them. Um, and it's, it's just so many different challenges, but yeah, we're frustrated and we're ticked off. That's why you got to get in the game next year. You got to get in the game in 2024. This is no room for error here. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't time to sit on the sideline. I, you know, we've heard the last several election cycles, this is the most important election of our lifetime. But I'm telling you, this one really does feel like the most important election of our lifetime. I mean, and and, and I, I'd like to think, and, and I, I think it's probably true that a lot of people are waking up to this because by every metric, we are slowly, maybe not even so slowly, circling the drain, whether it's the economy, whether it's the border, whether it's our foreign policy, no matter what it is, crime, you name it, we're sucking right now, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And 2024 will absolutely be a critical one because here you have one side of former president of the United States that's under several indictments. We don't know how that's going to play out. Uh, we have the, the current president who's under now an impeachment inquiry um, from last week before the House went on recess, uh, winter break. You know, we have an impeachment inquiry now. Uh, and then you just look at what, what's going on. You mentioned it. we have young kids. Uh, they, they can't save in young families that can't save for the future. They can't buy a house, uh, struggling, struggling to make ends meet, living off credit cards. Um, again, open borders, illegal immigration that's just pouring through our streets. That affects, you know, the minority uh, community as well. Um, and then the, a failed education system, in my opinion, um, with all these high interest rate loans and high tuition. And we're just we're just we're not winning anymore. We got to start winning again. And have we forgotten that? Have we forgot what it means to be an American? Um, you know, that's hard work, discipline and grit. That's what it's about. Exactly. And, you know, I th give us your thoughts on this. A lot of Americans at this point, especially after the last two elections, are are fed up with it. They're sick of the power politics. They're tired of it. They they. They, I think they feel either knowingly or uh, sort of instinctually that they're they're stuck in a manufactured dialectic of some sort and that the vote, the mechanics of the voting have been corrupted. I feel like it's important that we speak to that, and I'm curious to get your opinion on it. Clearly, you want to see people out there participating politically, but what do you say to the American at this point that says it doesn't matter? Yeah, that is a that's a great question because I was just talking about that Saturday as I was going up to Arlington to lay the on the Risa across America. And I was having a conversation with my friend about this. And I would say, number one, don't give up hope. We can never give up, we can never give in. We got to keep going. But here's what I like to do, you know, this um election, regardless it's at the president, Senate, or the House level, we need to start talking about solutions. Candidates need to talk start talking about solutions and what they're gonna do specifically. Number one, that's gonna help. And as a voter elector, you got to hold their feet to the fire. You got to press them on the issues. Um, we we got to get out of this hand waving and talking points business. We have to know exactly where that candidate stands. Follow the money. Who who's backing them? Who's endorsing them? And and talk to your candidates. That's the biggest thing that you're going to have to do. And here's here's the biggest thing: is once they do get elected, you got to hold them accountable. That's why I'm not for uh, you know big DC establishment term limits or huge huge issue. Uh, my social contract with with uh, what, what I would like to see is 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 people supporting term limits, not getting in there for for a, a career long. You know, don't go to the don't go to the social you know, the cocktail parties or the softball games. You go in there to serve the constituents of 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 your district or your state. 
Um, and that's really what it's about. That's what the founders in, in, intended it for to be. Uh, and yeah, people are frustrated. People are absolutely frustrated because they feel like there's no hope. But don't give up. Got to get engaged. You don't have to run for office, but get poll watcher. Go to the polls. Encourage others to, to go out and start talking about the issues um, and, and talk to your youth about it. That's the biggest thing that you're going to do um, this election cycle. It's going to take all of us. There's not going to be one politician that's going to come and save us. It's going to take us to save ourselves. There you go. Very well okay. said, sir. Very well said, Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Sachs. We really appreciate your perspective here on State of the Nation. And yeah, you know, get out there and get involved in it, even if it's just to watch the absolute absurdity of how your vote is attempted to be squashed or stolen or anything like that. Uh, you just need to be there. You need to see it. You need to experience it, even if it doesn't go, you know, quote unquote, your way or our way. Overwhelm uh, them. Un yeah, overwhelm yes. them and understand yes. how it works. Yes. Yes. Understand the grift. Yeah. Understand the steel. That's important. Very yeah. important. Absolutely. All, all right. And also for the holidays, pick up your copy or a gift copy of Decline and Decay of the U.S. Constitutional Order by our guest, Lieutenant Colonel Jeffrey Sachs. Thank you for being here with us on today's News Talk TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. Well, there they go again, 147 Republicans voting in favor of extending the unconstitutional FISA Section 702, which the federal government uses to spy on American citizens, as part of the National Defense Authorization Act. And you'll hear the usual complaints, well, we don't really like that, but we had to pass it. We couldn't just say no, otherwise we wouldn't have a military. They always have an excuse, don't they? Why don't you try saying no, just for once? See what it feels like. Democrats aren't going to allow us not to have a military. They make too much money off of it. Come on. What we need is 147 staunch America first patriots with the organizational, oratorical, and let's face it, the fundraising skills to throw their hat in the ring and primary these 147 Republicans. Let's show them who's boss. We the people. Come on, we need to do better. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. Meet Norm. He lives with anxiety. But with the help of this latest innovation from Be Normal, he can be normal. Just like everyone else. With the swipe of a finger, you can project happiness, confidence, machismo. Why settle for being real when you can be normal? The Normal Maker, new from Be Normal. This item doesn't really work because there's no such thing as normal. We're all different. What we like, how our brains work. In fact, one in five of us live with mental illness. Don't filter who you are. Start by talking to someone you trust. And remember, there is no normal. Interviews, news, and views. This is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McClain. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Yes, this is State of the Nation. And, uh, well, we just spoke with Jeffrey Sachs, and he was talking about how we all have to be doers. We all have to get out there uh, and and really uh, make not only our voices heard, but also do in actions. And our next guest, well, she's done just that with her March 4th initiative. She also set up the 988 New Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Those are just a couple of testimonies to her ability uh, to impact and have positive influences on the country. She's a nationally recognized speaker, a personal coach, and a master resiliency trainer. I'd like to know exactly what that is. We're very happy to welcome Kristen Christie to the show as we discuss, well, 
her what you do, Kristen, and also this time of year, uh, this is a time of year where we tend to think about, uh, you know, maybe uh, the holiday music and the merriment and all this that we're going to do, eggnog and what have you. But it's also a time of year that people kind of get down. You get the seasonal depression. Then people start sweating the holidays and the money, and that, especially nowadays. First of all, welcome to the program, Kristen. It's wonderful to have you. And we just like to get you to weigh in on some of these subjects. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great to see you both again. Yeah. Good to see you. So what do you tell people? Because, you know, especially now, Kristen, we're, we're in a situation, as I mentioned, where the economy is kind of on its back, uh, regardless of what they say. People are, it's, it's, it, people are having a tougher time making ends meet. I guess their Christmas lists are probably getting a little bit, uh, a little bit smaller, a little bit shorter. Um, and a lot of people are down about this. How do you, uh, as a resiliency coach, I bet you're pretty highly in demand right about now. Yes, unfortunately and thankfully. Um, I really have a lot of people coming to me, whether they've lost someone this year, um, the holidays are are looking different for them this year, the economy, uh, whatever that looks like. And I really want to encourage people this time of year to, I call it hunt the good stuff. It's hard sometimes. I use the word hunt because some days we just don't have very good days and we really have to hunt for something good. But I raised my kids this way and I still do it even though I'm an empty nester now. Um, We would sit around the dinner table or before the boys went to bed, we would talk about hunting the good stuff. What is one to three things that were good that happened uh, today? And then we would reflect on that good stuff. And why was it good? How did it make us feel so we can live in that moment a little bit longer? And I, even though it can be hard this time of year, I really encourage everyone to try and hunt the good stuff. Plus, it's a great family activity and you get the kids involved in it as well. Oh, absolutely. It's a great way to spend the holiday, you know. And, you know, coming out of Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving holiday, I feel like it's even more important because we kind of just had a dose of that a few weeks ago, you know, and uh, we were discussing that here on the show, you know, how to properly uh, embrace gratitude, for example. I think that's kind of what we're talking about here is embracing gratitude for, th- for things in our lives, uh, even when they uh, may appear darkest. And, you know, as Steve pointed out, a lot of times uh, things like shame and guilt and regret eke into the psyche during holidays for people that are having a hard time. And I noticed in your recent article, you you had a quote uh, talking about shame and you said, shame stunts our growth. It puts life on hold and it takes some of the 1,440 minutes we have every day and then we never get them back. I mean, Uh, expand on that a little bit for us. I find that really interesting. Yeah. um, You all thankfully had me on for Veterans Day and we talked about the suicide of my first husband. And that quote came from um, after spending 10 years after his death with shame and guilt at the head of my table between my ears, you know, the boardroom. And I realized that it's, you know, there's a saying, shame on you, but I say shame off you. 
this time, more than any time, but all the time, we need to be gentle with ourselves. There's something called the negativity bias that we all experience, and it, the research has indicated since caveman days, the uh, flight or fight response. But we are more attracted to negative thoughts, negative um, ideas, more so than positive. There are a couple different researchers that indicate for every one negative thought, you need three to seven positive thoughts to negate that one thought. And if we can get in the, the routine of gratitude, thinking positive, um, it helps take that shame away. Uh, and being gentle with ourselves, you know, forgiving ourselves for what we did while living in survival mode. Um, we have to survive before we can thrive. And this yeah. time of year, a lot of people go through that. And those of us who are in a good place that are celebrating the holidays with family, um, I really encourage those to reach out to those that just their intuition is telling them they're having a pretty tough time. I have a friend who recently lost her dad uh, a year after she lost her mom. And I am just checking in on her. I'm letting her vent. Um, I'm not trying to justify, you know, why she shouldn't be feeling the way she's feeling, but trying to bring hope to her. Um, I figure she has enough shame and guilt, even though she had nothing to do with her, her father's passing, but it does creep in on us. So be gentle with ourselves and with each other. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like, uh, you know, search for the silver lining and, and perhaps, uh, help other people find the silver lining as well. I think, I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's very, very important. I mean, yeah, and it's tough in this day and age because uh, we we live in a world that is a twenty four seven news loop. Uh, the the negative news, as you point out, the negative is, is always in our life, and it seems to me that's the stuff that's promoted, whether it's on news, whether it's on TikTok, whether it's on our social feeds or whatever. That's the stuff that everybody kind of gravitates toward because that gets the clicks and that gets the likes and shares, and then you're like, God, that was kind of a bummer. But we are kind of inundated with that. Um, do you think it's sometimes wise just to just to kind of take some time off and just say, you know what, I'm going to enjoy family time. I'm going to enjoy maybe I'm going to go to my church or my synagogue or wherever and just kind of uh, in, 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 enjoy myself for a little bit and take some take a break from all the negativity. Absolutely. To recharge without charging your phone. Uh, when we go on vacation, my husband, bless his heart, he takes my cell phone and iPad and he will lock it in the hotel safe and not give me the combo. So I have a chance <laughs> to recharge. So if if someone doesn't have the wherewithal to do that themselves, because I, I do feel it, it's a little um, addictive, that technology but if you can put that away, it's okay not to respond to a text message right away. It's okay not to check your email. 
right away. It's uh, it's doing yourself so much good. I think of joy as an acronym, especially this time of year, Jesus, others, yourself. And it's okay to put that stuff away and put you in the forefront um, because you're no good to anyone else if you aren't taking care of yourself. So yeah. I do make a practice of recharging by decharging my technology. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> and that, and that begs the question. I'm, I'm really curious your perspective on this. What, like what role overall in our society do you think that social media and mass media cartel uh, news and events and even Hollywood with their messaging, like how, I don't want to use the word blame, but what role do you place on institutions like that in our modern day leading to such an epidemic that caused you, um, you know, so much hurt in your own family and then to, to rise up from that and start the 988 line? Yeah, it's, uh, we really have to regulate ourselves and it's, it's tough um, to know when to get off social media, when to turn off the TV, uh, when to turn off streaming, when to look for those feel good movies to, to really get us recharged and on a, a positive outlook is important. Um, I, I think it's up to us. We aren't going to change Hollywood. We aren't going to change media. We aren't going to change social media. Um, individually. And so that's when we take it upon ourselves. And if we can't take it upon ourselves, that's when we have a battle buddy, a wingman, someone, a, an accountability partner, whether it's your spouse or a family member or a friend, um, to, to turn all of that off. And really, it's self-regulation. Uh, it's, it's hard to do. There are research studies or the United States that say self-regulation is one of um, the least strengths, character strengths that the overall population have. But that's where we need to come together to, um, to be able to thrive, not just survive, to thrive. We aren't made to do life alone. And I certainly am not standing up and and not in a fetal position in bed, which I had been um, right after Don's death. But for my friends who came and they were my account accountability partner, they didn't come over to wallow with me. They came over to hold me accountable and get my butt out of bed to take the boys to school. They didn't take the boys to school for me. Um, so go. I really rely on my network. Um, I call them my cheerleaders. And I encourage everyone to at least have one cheerleader, one friend outside of the family that you know you can call to celebrate good news once you hunt that good stuff. And you know that that person's going to celebrate with you almost, if not as much, almost more than you are. Because when you build that trust, then you know that you can go to them with the not so good news. I know that um, in my family, uh, 
when we do dinner around the table, it's a strictly no cell phone policy. It's here we are. And I think that, you know, back in the day, uh, most people sat around the dinner table uh, and had dinner together. And that was family time. Uh, and with the uh, with, with, with now the advent of cell phones and the technology and the TikTok and the Facebook and the Twitter and all that stuff, it's real easy to have your phone sitting next to you at the dinner table and go, oh, what was that? Why did my phone just ding? Um, so it, it, you, you mentioned deactivate your deactivate your 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 tablets, deactivate your phone, and reactivate your 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 family time. I think dinner is a great time to do that. Don't you think that that's kind of a, a really good time to say, look, we're leaving all of the tech. We're going to go back to the early 20th century now. <laughs> Nobody's going to be texting us during dinner time. That's right. And and even take off your smartwatch. How many times have you talked to someone, you're having a conversation with the person and they look down at their wrist because they got an email or a text message on their watch? take it off. I have a friend that has a a tub, if you will, or a container, and everyone has to put their cell phone and their cell or their Apple watches in the container before dinner. And they sit down to dinner and they actually have conversations with one another. I think getting back to that is so important. It's that connectivity. It, uh, it really helps you hunt the good stuff. I mean, and for us, that was that was when we did hunt the good stuff. But that was also one of the hunt the good stuff um, things that we found was just so vitally important for us to be resilient as a family, because more things are going to come come into our life that are obstacles, and we built those resilient skills to overcome them. Maybe not quickly, but faster than we've done before. You know, what it, you, you, you know what it reminds me? I'm, I'm sorry, Hesh, I just had to say this. As you, Kristen, as you were talking about the jug that everybody put their stuff in, all I could think about is government skiffs, where before you walk into a skiff, you've got to take your phone out, take your watch off, and you put it in a zip bag and they lock it in a locker. I'm like, maybe every family needs to have the dinner table and family time and, and consider it to be like a skiff. Uh, you you got to check your stuff out before you can get involved. I like it. Love it. And as a, a former defense contractor and my husband is a defense contractor, I am very familiar with skiffs. The nice thing about the dinner table being a pseudo skiff is you still have windows. <laughs> <laughs> why do they put all those on the lower floor with no windows my goodness all right well i guess there's a security measure there um, yes there is <laughs> absolutely so we're just about out of time but real quickly uh tell people where they can find your work how to find you and any final thoughts you may have for people coming into the holidays yeah thanks for the opportunity i appreciate that if you google kristen christie and you can even misspell it if there's so many different ways to spell both the first and the last name uh, i should pop up my website is kristen christiecares.com uh, kristen with a k t-e-n and christie c-h and a y um, i would love to connect with people i would love to be their emotional support human as my friends call me but at this time of year, I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas, even if you have to look a little harder. 
and uh, thank you Christy we got thank you Kristen Christy we got to go right there this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio